0: Hey guys, it's Evan from Empire State Conservatives Podcast. Just reminding you to check us out on Instagram at GetRedPilledNY, on Facebook at Empire State Conservatives, on YouTube at Empire State Conservative Network, on Twitter at Empire State Cons, and on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Overwatch at Empire State Conservatives Podcast. And make sure you check out our store for all Snowflake melting merch at Empire Network dot com slash store. Enjoy this episode. <laughs> Everybody, welcome back to the Empire State Conservatives podcast, episode 125. It is me, your host, Evan, with the All-American Conservatives, Solomon Tech, here to tickle your political pickle and expose Joe Biden's need to sniff children and other leftist insanity. Today, we have possibly our greatest guest ever. I know that's a left. That is a Love lot that. to put on you. But we have nice. Anthony Calandro, CEO of Gun For Hire. If you don't know who he is, he's the man who runs the greatest gun range, at least in the Northeast. If not in the entire
1: country, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on, gentlemen. Thank you for having me on. You inspire me, you young conservatives. Oh, <laughs> well, we're not that
0: young. I know we look young, but it's just because neither of us are married yet. I'm 21. <laughs> So Anthony, for people who are not familiar with gun for hire, why don't you give us a little bit of background on how you got started in the gun industry, why you got started in the gun industry, especially being in New Jersey, a lot of the same issues that we have here in New York, you know, we are kind of a rare you know, we're not as rare as people think, but you know, it's more of the rare breed. It's not really out there in terms of gun ownership and gun range. Well, disclaimer, I'm not a cop.
1: I don't like donuts, I'm a bagel guy. Mm -hmm. I love bagels. I'm not a cop. Uh, I started shooting. I grew up in Newark, New Jersey, where the only people that had guns were bad people and uh, the cops. So i had never shot a gun before. A friend of mine became a police officer in my mid-20s, and he took me to a gun range shooting, and I got hooked. And I went to apply for the process to get a gun, and the first thing I realized was I was treated like a criminal to get a gun. Multiple interviews, fingerprints, et cetera, et cetera. I started competing out in your neck of the woods. I used to go to Long Island pistol shooters and everything. With the whole Northeast, I have a garage full of trophies when I was a young man, and I could see, and I had muscle memory. And uh, I would hang out in ranges and uh, shoot, and I would see people struggling, and I would offer to help them. So in 1992, I started Gun For Hire. Yes, 28 years ago. I started. It started under Firearms Training Center. I changed the name a few years later to Gun for Hire, teaching mostly civilians, families, wives, kids, women, and it morphed into that. And what I found was I was constantly apologizing to people. I'm sorry the range was dirty. I'm sorry when you asked the stupid question, the guy or girl behind the counter answered you like you were ignorant. Remember, there was no internet when I started. So you couldn't look stuff up. You couldn't Google it. So uh, I said, someday I want my own range where the bathrooms are clean and females are, 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 are welcome and we, people of color can be more represented. So I built the Gun for Hire range in Woodland Park uh, eight years ago, and it's blown up. <clears throat> and about 20 years ago, ah, 24 years ago, I started to get into Second Amendment advocacy because I have a big mouth and I feel very strongly about it. I had gone down to the first rally, uh, in Washington DC in 1994 federal assault ban. and that that inspired me and lo and behold i became a, the a board member of the state NRA and then the executive vice president of the state NRA and now i'm on my first year of a one year term for NRA board and i'm running for a three year reelection so and i belong to every 2a group out there guys even 2a NYS which is the newest group in Rockland nice. County Uh, I believe we should support them all because unity and activism is key. We should not be fighting amongst ourselves. The left feeds off of that. Let's face it, the the liberals don't defend a pedophile if it'll help them win an election
2: that's the truth
1: uh, us we fight right tech we fight over every little issue bump stock managed to divide the whole second amendment community mm-hmm. rather than looking at the big picture so there you have in a nutshell a synopsis of what i've been doing since 1992 the past 28 years
0: you know a big mouth and a gun advocate that sounds a lot like me attacked. tech too. <laughs> <I> mean, <it's, laughs> there's, there's definitely need, a type we need you guys and and unity is definitely a thing and we didn't have the schedule, but I want to talk about that a little bit um, because we see it now. You see the division, especially on the conservative side, you see the TPUSA and the people who hate TPUSA. You have the Shapiro fans and the Groypers. You have all these people who should have a common goal because right now our enemy right now is an octogenarian communist and a guy with mashed potato brain who doesn't know where he is, but who also wants to take our guns away. So it's, we need to do, we do need to find that unifying force. And especially among gun advocates, it needs to be, listen, we need to strike down these unconstitutional gun laws. We need to work together instead of bickering and bitching online at each other.
1: Yeah, I, I could attack the ahead
0: uh, I was just going to say, I'm extremely
2: happy that Joe Biden chose uh Beto O'Rourke to bring out on stage.
0: Oh, you and jumped simply- the gun. We have it later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, I'll leave
2: it alone. I'll leave that alone, but yes, I, I 100% agree on the the factor of unity. Um, and like you, like you two already brought up, I've seen our side, the right, the right side of the aisle, get separated on so many factors. And the the biggest one is is guns and how do we deal with the people that are trying to take away our guns? Um, you got the the in Virginia, you have the bo- the Boogaloo's. And then the people that believe that, like myself, that we can handle this uh, the right way, that we can handle it the political way and by continuously going and and voicing our our concerns and uh, taking political action before you go in and boo. So I've seen it and I 100% agree with the unity factor.
1: People don't realize we have a tyrant billionaire, $60 billion that's willing to spend most of his fortune to take our Second Amendment rights away. Mike Bloomberg, now that he's not in the presidential race anymore, he's going to go right back to funding those two-way groups. He's probably going to back Joe Biden. Maybe he'll become mm-hmm. the vice president. Who knows? I don't know if he can handle the second-in-command. But you know, while we're fighting about this little crap and who's doing what, We all should be doing something together, Mm -hmm. and you know we we hold rallies in New Jersey. We get ten thousand people say they're going to attend, and we have three hundred people show up. You guys rocked it in Virginia with twenty thousand people. Mm -hmm. You know I'm embarrassed for New Jersey.
2: (laughs) Jersey is too far. Well, I can't say it's too far left because y'all obviously had the what was it a senator that ended up uh, changing sides? Yeah, Jeff Van
1: Drew. Yeah. Yep.
2: Jeff and I and I understand that not everywhere in Jersey is Newark either. Um, that's I, where I was I, born. It, it, I I've said the story publicly many times. I got robbed in Newark, New Jersey. Shocking. I might have robbed you. <laughs> Look, I knew you looked familiar. <laughs> but that that's when I decided. Like that's. I'm never going to leave myself defenseless like that again. You know what I mean? And and, uh, Newark has changed my mind for the better when it came to the second amendment. I was still kind of, kind of a leftist at the time. And I thought laws work. Apparently they don't. So,
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. No, go ahead, go ahead. because uh, Winston Churchill said, when you're young, if you're not a liberal, you don't have a heart. When you're uh, older, if you're not a conservative, you don't have a brain. So you did <laughs> the right thing, Tack. Yeah,
0: that is 100%. And not even just personal protection from criminals, like Tack obviously needed when he got robbed in Newark. But if you look at throughout history, when people, we've said this a million times, when the populace is disarmed, people die by the hands of their own government. The Soviets, the Nazis the iranians right now you know it's it's all over the place it repeats itself nonstop, and people on the left just don't learn they just don't get it that the government is not this all-knowing entity to be trusted they're made up of people and when you give people too much power they become corrupted
1: and absolute power is absolute corruption we're close to it our taxation rate i guess our combined taxation rate's about 60 percent now and uh history has shown that when it, it approaches 50%. You have a revolution, like in France. I don't know when people are going to finally wake up. We're trying to tax ourselves into po- prosperity in, in this country. Taxes and laws is all we know.
2: Doesn't work that way. Me and a coworker did the our calculations earlier. If we had a, a job that paid 70 a year, immediately, because of taxes, go down to 40
1: a year. <laughs> so you Tax on gas, tax on food, tax on your cable TV, tax Mm -hmm. on your cell phone. Everything is taxed.
2: Taxes on taxi cab rides. New York City, I think I paid, it was like a a black car tax, a carbon tax, uh, or like the emissions tax or whatever, uh, the taxi medallion tax, um, and just regular city and in-state taxes. There's about six different taxes that I paid just to take about a 20, 30-minute cab ride.
1: I can't believe that fee
0: went to like 30 bucks. Dude, I can't believe they haven't tried to tax this podcast yet. I mean, that's literally (laughs) what they do. Everything is a tax. And we talked about this the other day is even to open a business, the amount of fees and paperwork you have to put out is Mm -hmm. prohibitive to so many people. If you want people who are in dire economic straits to bring themselves up, let them start a business. If they're no good, they'll fail. You don't have to charge them an arm and a leg and literally put them in the red before they're even able to start. It's, they, it's, it's, it's exhausting. It, it really is.
1: That's the government's job to make everything more difficult. Uh, every People want, you know, uh, government health care. When's the last time you've been to motor vehicles or a post office? They're government run. Imagine, I'm sorry, Sarah, you're in the kidney line for the past six hours. You were supposed to be in the gallbladder line. So you got to start all over again.
0: <laughs> and then, and then uh, the doctor won't get off the phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, there's a guy waiting for a transplant, but I can talk. <laughs> I always said that
2: you look at Canada and the fact that you have to wait for a, a um An MRI. For a simple MRI or CAT scan for about a month, two months. If you had to do that, the state of California has the same population as Canada, give or take a few people. If John McCain had to wait as long for a CAT scan <laughs> that they have to wait in Canada,
1: he would have died immediately. Yeah, well, they have a different tier medical system than we do. The political elites are the first tier, so they get the medical treatment that they want. And then criminals and illegals are the second tier, and we, the people, the law-abiding taxpayers, we're the third tier now. But for That's communism true. to work, you only need two tiers. That's why they're trying so hard to get rid of us, the third tier. You want the communists and the serfs. That's how it exists.
0: Yeah, this way Northam can get that blackface scrubbed off real quick.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, guys, let's get into a little bit of current
0: events. Like we mentioned before, gun grabber mini Mike Bloomberg is out of the race, proving once again that he always comes up short. The reanimated corpse of Joe Biden is making a comeback as Democrats consolidated all their power to help him take on commie comrade Bernie Sanders and his Antifa army. But creepy Uncle Joe has said that Beto O'Rourke will be his gun control soy boy. Tack, you started bringing this up before, so I'm gonna let you hit it first. Is Beto yes. coming for our AR-15s? He is not, and he knows
2: he's not. He can't. And I've said it before: Virginia has a lot of leftists who are also gun lovers. You look at the John Brown Gun Club, and I understand they're not in Virginia. They're, I think they're based in Nevada. By doing that, you just shot yourself in the foot. No pun intended. You legitimately just shot yourself in the foot because every leftist that are competition shooters that owns their guns, they hunt avidly by you choosing a guy that says, you damn right, we're going to take your, your AR 15s. You just lost how many votes and you pushed them over to the right. He's he, like you said, he's got mashed potato brain. He is not thinking he did it way too early. If he was smart, he would have waited till he got elected and then said, Hey Beto, <laughs> But he whoever gave him his advice, hey, this is if you show him, you'll get all of these the, all of Bernie's people following behind you. That's what he's he's basing it on. And Bernie has a very small population of the society that actually backs him. Like I've said, college students and all apologetic women. That's it. <clears throat>
1: Anthony? Well, I, I I agree with you. I don't even think Biden's gonna win. I can't see him debating Trump head to head. Uh, Trump's going to eat him alive uh, because once he gives you a nickname, it sticks like glue. And I grew up in Newark where everybody had a nickname and it stuck like glue.
2: Was it corn pop? Corn
0: pop. <laughs> corn pop. It was
1: corn pop. Uh, you know, but uh Beto's not going to go anywhere with this what's he going to do make him the gun control czar it's the executive branch they can't do anything anyway we have a stranglehold at the legislative branch It's, it's all a bunch of bs when trump first two years in office he had the house and the senate they didn't pass anything to help us gun people they had national reciprocity mitch mcconnell let it expire it's just all political theater fellas all we have left in this country are the courts the Supreme Court especially, and the lower courts. That's all we have left. Bloomberg and his ilk and the establishment media and the political elite have bought all of our legislators. They all need to wear NASCAR-style jackets with their sponsors on them. Okay, Pfizer, General Motors, Monsanto, but no American flag because they do not represent we the people anymore, because once they get elected, it's about self-preservation and lining their pockets and their families and friends.
0: Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. I was about to say this podcast will sponsor Lee Zeldin out of Suffolk County. I'm down for that. (laughs) Nice, nice. But like like you said, all we have left is the courts and- I. Again, not on, the, not on the docket, but current events, crazy Chuck Schumer going after Gorsuch and Kavanaugh at a pro-abortion rally. The left is literally trying to take down the entire American institution. It's literally, they do not like this country. It even goes beyond that. They hate this country. They hate the Constitution. They hate the courts. They hate everything. They hate the people. They want to leave us defenseless and poor. I don't understand how anyone votes for these people.
2: Is, and that, that's, I've never thought of it in that manner. Well, yes, I have, where all we have left is the courts. Um, never really connected it, because having worked in a court system, it just made me not necessarily hate it, but just understand it a bit more. And the reason why they call it practicing law, just like they call <laughs> it practicing medicine, everything is, is built in a, a, a way you can loosely interpret something to bend it to how you want it to fit because that's your ideology and that's your will. The Constitution, thank God, was one of those things that was written in plain English. <laughs> so where you have no choice but to understand exactly what they meant, it's not up for interpretation. No. She'll not shall be not, <laughs> I say shall
1: not be <laughs>
2: infringed. It's not, it's not complicated, people. It's not one of those things where you look at a criminal and in order to, to make it fit is like you did on or about the 5th of March, because you can't just say the 5th of March because you might have gotten it wrong. It was at midnight, so it wasn't on the 5th. It was on the 6th. It's not up for interpretation. The Constitution is written the way it is written, and you can't change it.
1: It's amazing how it gets twisted today, though. You know, it's a living document. That really pisses me off when they say that. And, you know, that's why I like originalist judges like Scalia and Thomas. Happened to be my two of my favorite, especially Thomas now. But I heard Trump tonight did a town hall meeting and him and Mitch McConnell are up to 220 federal judicial appointments already. Wow. That's a game changer. I'll be dead. And you two youngsters will still be reaping the benefits of those court appointees. It's 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 just it's just phenomenal. You know, mm-hmm. we could probably get two more in the Supreme Court in the next uh, five years, but the lower courts are more important. My district court, uh, the Third District, for the first time in my Second Amendment career of thirty years, is flipped now. We have a two wow. judge conservative majority. We've never had that before. Our magazine case is headed there. Our ten round magazine case, we're going to win. New Jersey's going to appeal it. We're probably going to beat the California mag case to the Supreme Court because of that, because California still has a two or three judge majority in the ninth circuit. So what Trump is doing in the lower courts, because right now our judicial process takes years. You guys, uh, uh, you're a New York state rifle and pistol case, Evan. It's taken yep. six years for the NRA and ANGRPC to get it before the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. If we had lower courts on our side, it probably would have been handled in two years. So this is, a it would have been you. done. They would have thrown it out. Correct. This is a game changer, especially for you youngsters. I'm 59 years old. I will definitely pass away with Trump's legacy of originalist and conservative judges. When he was running for office, he submitted a list that was given to him by the Federalist Society, very conservative judicial society. And this this were his, his judicial picks. He has not deviated from that list in three and a half years.
0: And I think that's one of the biggest things. You talked about the legacy of Trump and these judges. It's also the legacy of Trump kind of waking up the country to kind of the neoconservative nonsense of the Bushes and the real nonsense of the Democrat Party over the last 20 years, where you have the upcoming generation being more conservative than me and tax generation. Unfortunately, we are millennials and most of our generation is absolutely terrible. But the young ones coming up, they are there are a lot of conservatives. You have people like Joel Patrick who, you know, he does what he does. They all do what they do. I'm not taking sides in any of these arguments because, again, the division is ridiculous. We have a common enemy. They're communists. Like, I don't understand what's going on here. But you have these people like Kyle Cashew who was a, went to Parkland High School and said, hey, yes, I went through this tragedy. But that doesn't mean that we throw out the Constitution. And thank God that this – that wake-up call happened because if it kept going the way it was going – you would have ended up with another generation that's just like mine. And I don't talk to anyone from my high school because I'm pretty sure they've all unfriended me on Facebook. But we—that that is another big legacy. It's just waking up people to the left's bullshit. And without doing that, the left would have been able to prop up Barack Obama, as Tack likes to say, as the black god, as this amazing president. And he wasn't. He was a terrible president who sowed racial division in the entire country and got nothing done.
2: I'm glad y'all brought up the courts, though. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get off that topic for a long while.
1: Good. The the
2: Good. Virginia uh, Citizens Defense League always, every time they post, it's hey, this is all we have left is the the courts, and I did not connect it until you
1: said it. Good. I did. Not. I follow them on Twitter. I know a lot of the guys from the Virginia mm-hmm. Civilian Defense League. Great, great guys. See, that's the grassroots organizations that you have. You know, you had the NRA lobbying the state house. For two or three weeks prior, and right up to all the votes, and still pressing the flesh, but you need those grassroots organizations that are going to show up with twenty thousand people, and you know a little uh, a, a little civil uh, uprising, but with no disobedience, which is nice because I think it's going to happen eventually. I I don't pray for it. I was very young. I lived in Newark during the Newark riots, and we really don't need that in our country. The the world mm-hmm. doesn't need it, but Uh, both sides are so polarized right now. And and the left is so angry. Uh, I said to Evan earlier, before we came on the air, I said, if if Ginsburg retires, or passes away, or she's too sick to serve, and Trump gets to appoint somebody to replace the notorious RGB, I I could see the left taking us into a modified civil war. Mm -hmm. They're that angry. Like, I don't want to punch anybody for opposing political uh, views. I don't want to spit on anybody. It's not my thing. I would rather have an educated conversation and listen to your side and listen to my side. But it just seems like the left, it always escalates to violence. And they're the ones that are projecting on us that we're the violent ones. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, it's right out of the Soviet playbook. It's let me accuse my enemy of what I'm doing. And this is Russia, 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 Russia. Who do you think Russia wants? The guy who's tough on them or the 80-year-old communist who honeymooned there and their videos hit him singing shirtless? Like, come on. Like, it it doesn't even make sense. And you tell it to people they're like, well, then why is the media? And I go, stop. You just tried to use the mainstream media to justify an argument. You're, You're already wrong. It's emotional manipulation. I always tell people, they're like, well, you watch Fox News. I don't watch Fox News. I watch zero mainstream media. Because it's all about dollars. It's all about emotional manipulation to get you to tune in and to piss you off. Because people who are pissed off will continue to tune in to get more pissed off. I don't understand how, why that happens. But that's the way it works. That's why people watch CNN and MSNBC. They talk about how Trump is a traitor and how he hates minorities and is a racist. Why, do you, why would you keep watching that? So you can talk about it with your friends and be pissed off. It, it, it's baffling. It's amazing. Like I said, the left is angry. It's a lot of angry people, and they, they really don't know what they're angry at because they're angry at a whole bunch of misinformation.
2: You know, um, speaking about the a modified Civil War, uh, what's funny is when I hear the, the boogs, and I, I don't have any hate against the boogs at whatsoever. I really completely respect them. But when I hear them speak, I don't hear anything that goes behind what they're speaking on. It took how many years after the death of Crispus Attucks in Massachusetts in order for a revolution to actually happen? It took how much uh, planning and preparation to go into causing a revolution to actually happen? They had to all meet up together and actually come up with a plan of what their new government would look like and they even put it into the Constitution that if the government work, doesn't work for you anymore, you have the power to change that government. They had to come up. Go ahead. They had to come up with a complete new plan and put it into development and put it into play and get people to, to follow it and say, "Yes, we'll accept it before they even stood up an army to go fight. So what's your plan behind it? What's the afterthought? what's going on? What is come up with something other than it's time to (laughs) boo? What are we doing after?
0: And most people are not rational in terms of those thoughts and those plans where it's like, I want a revolution. It's like, dude, I know you're bored. (laughs) Get Get a hobby. But it is kind of poetic justice that we do have what I am now calling you the king of the Second Amendment of the Northeast on the anniversary of the boston massacre which is today today is the anniversary of the boston massacre and we do have anthony calandro gun for hire if you are for some reason just starting watching right now i don't know why you would fast forward to this point but
1: can i uh can i, I have a, a, something i want to talk about you know we really can't blame the younger generations for their views because they've been indoctrinated through mm-hmm. academia now going down to elementary school all the way up through they get out of the university and they've they're taught that this way is going to work this time communism or socialism is going to work this time because every other time it was flawed and then we make fun of millennials i heard a joke yesterday like mm-hmm. why aren't millennials having children because their parents can't afford it <laughs> right? but, but, but listen it's not the millennials' fault the way they are. That We make fun millennials got participation trophies. They didn't decide that. Their boomer parents decided that all the kids had to get a trophy. So it's their parents' fault. I'm a boomer, too. It's their parents' fault, and it's the educators' fault and the system, because those educators live in this protected bubble with tenure, and it's so easy to talk about that. They're rich, repulsive socialists. And I'm not making fun of all teachers, but if you're making 130000 year as a teacher and you have tenure and you're going to get a pension after 25 years you can talk about this how there's this there's there's this panacea of perfect socialism that's going to work this time and all of these young kids from your age down grew up indoctrinated and brainwashed so we get angry with them but they don't know anything else when somebody says okay boomer to me my first response to them is you've obviously never made a mortgage payment. <laughs> so it usually shuts them up after that.
0: Yeah. I mean, the hippies kind of ruined this country, that whole, the whole thing where everyone is great and everyone is special. It kind of took over that, Hey, work your ass off and make something of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not, and not everyone can be a doctor. Not everyone can have, you know, it was, there was, there's a new, there was a new article that came out. It goes, um, it's impossible to raise a family of four now on something like a middle class salary in the Northeast. I go, well, guess what? If you can't afford it, don't have two kids. Mm -hmm. Don't buy a house. Don't, don't spend money that you don't have. It's, you're not guaranteed anything. You're guaranteed the opportunity, but no one is going to be handed anything. No one is promised anything in this world. You're not promised to grow old and be surrounded by your loved ones when you die. That's Nothing is promised to you. You have to earn every single thing. And my grandfather was part of the greatest generation. He came here when he was 13. He had very little family here. He spoke only German. He learned English. He went to school. He served in the army during World War II. He got the Purple Heart and the Silver Star. And then he worked until he was however old and retired and helped raise, raise his grandchildren. He worked his ass off. No one handed him anything when he came off the boat. He wasn't handed a welfare
1: check. And on his deathbed, he couldn't tell you where the unemployment office or welfare office was. I bet he didn't even know welfare was. Correct. (laughs)
0: Correct. What's welfare? Yeah, really. It's the the change. And they always talk about, oh, you know, well, it's a nation of immigrants. The nation of immigrants that came here and really built up this country is completely different from a lot of what's coming in now. It's not the same thing coming in here and being on social welfare programs is not what our pe- grandparents did. It's, it, it's not to to state that. And to believe anything close to that is, is ignorant.
2: Yeah, what's it, funny talking about a nation of immigrants, they came across Ellen's Ellis Island, went to their tenements and decided, well, might as well really become an American. And they joined the military and went right back to Europe and fought for America <laughs> or, or to Japan or, Whatever theater they were in, they went and fought in that theater and came back. You've got baseball players that, that has done it, actors that have done it. So to hear people are talking about, oh, it's a nation of immigrants, a nation of immigrants. The nation of immigrants, your, your granddad, your grandparents, and your great-grandparents made sure that this country became a great country and that they actually
0: assimilated into being Americans. Exactly. They became Americans. They didn't feed off of Americans. Anthony?
1: Uh, what, what track just said, assimilate. I have no problem with immigration. Come in the front door, assimilate, learn the language, work, pay your taxes just like me. I'll welcome you. I, I'm going to give you a radical plan because I'm a libertarian leaning towards anarchy. That's really my, my platform here. If you were to take all the illegal immigrants in this country right now, the ones that could prove they've had gainful employment, they're not living on any of our social welfare programs, they have no criminal record, I would sponsor them for citizenship. The rest of them, I'd give them $10,000, Louis Vuitton luggage, and a first-class plane ticket back to their country.
0: <laughs> they would get robbed at the airport.
1: <laughs> Good. But it would be a lot cheaper than supporting them for the next 30 years.
0: hmm no, no, they would get robbed in Newark Airport. They wouldn't make it to the
2: plane. <laughs> EWR yeah. so would be out there waiting. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I want the ones here that are going to that are going to uh, add to our country and pay taxes mm-hmm. like me and you and you and make the country a better place. I don't want the ones that are going to live off of our of our system and suck it dry. I, I'm, I'm all for welfare programs, man. You have a, a family, husband and wife, two or three kids. The husband dies. They don't have enough, enough security blanket. I believe we need welfare and unemployment, but it should be temporary. It shouldn't be generational. Now, mm-hmm. I've said that, and I've been attacked that I'm a racist, but yet there are more white people on oh, four- man. and five-generation Uh, welfare than there are black people, percentage-wise, right, in the country. But I've been attacked for being a race. Oh, you're a racist for saying that. I don't want anybody on the dole. I don't give a shit what your color or religion is. I don't want you getting shit for free. Work like me every day. I'm self-employed, guys. I work a half a day, seven days a week, 12 hours a day, half day. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but you have one of the greatest jobs in the world. Let's not (laughs) – Love yeah. what you do and do what you
1: love, right? <laughs> if you work, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. And I love what I do. I love the advocacy. You know what else I really like to do? Like what inspires me too, you guys doing this this show. Think about this. I get people come up to me all the time, but here's a perfect example. Went with my girlfriend to see a play in New York City. Carol King's beautiful. I come out of the restroom, there's a guy waiting for me. You're Anthony, right? I said yeah. He goes, you know, I listen to your show every week, I shoot at your range once in a while. I just want to thank you for being our voice. I'm a school teacher in Nutley, New Jersey. I'm married with two kids. I can't come out in public and say what you're thinking that I agree with because I will lose my job. He goes, my kids will not be able to go over my neighbor's house and play. He goes, I want to thank you for what you do. And that's one example of hundreds I've gotten over the years. And that's what keeps me going, because I'm the voice for the man or woman that can't step up in this Mm -hmm. climate that we're in today. And that's what you guys are doing. This is very important because a lot of people watching you and sharing it, but they can't post it. If you you know, Evan, if you're a school teacher in a middle school, you can't do what you're doing right now. You'd be gone.
0: Oh, yeah. And like you said, it's important. People need to stand up. If someone stands up, Other people will support you, whether it's through voting or through just showing up to help people out, buying stuff, you know, financially support. But if no, if you think that there's no one else that shares your views, you're not going to get up on that soapbox. The average person is not going to do that. They need someone to lead the way. And again, I don't want to sound like I'm tugging on Trump's junk, but this it's big thing of what he did. He came and said, Washington is corrupt. All these people, they're not fighting for the American people. I want to fight for the American people. And it got a whole generation of people to kind of wake up. The whole walkaway movement started because of Donald Trump. Yeah, this, this is the effect that he has had, and it's going to last. This is going to last for a long time, and it's huge. We need to make sure we're standing up for our rights. We need to make sure we're telling people, hey, if you don't believe in gun rights, if you don't believe people should be armed, Look what happened during Nazi Germany. Look what happened during Soviet Russia. Look what's going on in Venezuela right now where people get run over by military vehicles in the street. People need to stand, be able to stand up and speak up. And it, I think it does have a bigger impact when it's a regular person, when it's people like us, when it's people like you, Anthony, who are standing up for the regular guy. Because while people like Shapiro do a, do a, very, serve a very important function, they do. He's very, Shapiro's a very smart guy. He's a very popular show. It's widespread. But he doesn't come off as an everyman. When you see a regular person, someone that could be your coworker, could be your neighbor, say, hey, this is what I believe. What you're hearing from the other side, it's not true. I believe in gun rights. I believe people need to get off welfare. I don't care what race you are. I want you to be an American. And this is what I believe an American is. And in their heart, when they know that it's true, they'll be like, you know what? He's right. The other side is insane. And I'm going to stand up, too. But most people will not do it alone. We need to be out there. We need to be vocal.
2: You want to know something funny? we had all of these movements that started because of Donald Trump, right? Because of President Trump. But if it was not for President Trump, I wouldn't have my daughter right now. So, (laughs) shouts out to President Trump. He has no clue that he's helped to create life on this earth. (laughs) And other people are probably like, what is he talking about? If it wasn't for the fact that I came out in 2016 as a conservative and having conservative viewpoints and being a Trump supporter, I would have never met my fiance. And she would have never ended up messaging me because we met over Instagram, which is, you know, but shouts
0: out to Donald Trump. Thank you. Such a President.
2: Oh, my God. Thank you, Mr. President.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, Tack, now you know what you have to do. Her middle name has to be Donald.
1: Oh, it's not, not an option.
0: option don't do it don't do it freedom donald ar-15 attack
1: i like it she's never gonna get a date don't do it It's perfect perfect Good. just figure it out
0: there sure. you go
1: all right guys
0: last the last thing i want to get to anthony i know you're in new jersey but you are a neighbor tack i know you left new york but i know you're gonna feel my pain Sith Lord Emperor Cuomo, once again, has forced through legislation in the dark of night to grant him emergency powers to suspend laws or regulations in order to deal with an emergency. Now, while the bill does expire within a year, we all know the damage he can do in a year, but he pushed through all of those laws right away at the beginning of last year, and the fact that there are no term limits for governor, which I still think is absolutely insane. Like, how 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 are we stopping him? Because... Besides flipping the state Senate, which in New York is very difficult, and the fact that the state GOP party has zero teeth, there there has to be another way to get through to this. Like, Tack, where, where do you see the strategy is in terms of, you know, because I don't, like, I love Star Wars, but I'm not really into the whole thing actually happening in real life. So what's the, I haven't read the law, so I don't know what the, the wording is to
2: where it can be loosely interpreted so an emergency narrative. an
0: emergency is <laughs> is any disease pandemic um terroristic threats it's it's essentially anything it covers so, okay. almost any emergency you could possibly be so like the the of the
2: 1970 or was 1976 or whatever blackout happened again he could just all of a sudden start making new laws yeah no he because can ag- ignore not, any regulation. Oh, he can ignore any, any so, yeah he can ignore anything so if if this uh, coronavirus then gets to the 15 people, he and he considers it an emergency. Then he can ignore whatever law he wants to ignore and pretty much throw the entire state into martial law,
0: exactly. That, that's so, a,
2: that's essentially what he can do. I don't, and I, and I said that just to, to push this you have so many people that are paranoid conspiracy theorists about the state being put into martial law but they don't see anything wrong with, with Cuomo doing what he just did, passing what he just did? Or are they so into YouTube conspiracy theories that they're actually ignoring what's happening in reality in front of their face? It's time for people to actually stand up, really start getting involved and, and paying attention to what's going on at a local level, actually paying attention and stop looking at the fact that this man has a D behind his name. Because the D doesn't necessarily represent you (laughs) at all. Start defending yourself and looking out for yourself and actually see what this man is doing that could possibly mess you up in the future.
0: Yeah. Just so people don't think I'm overreacting or acting like a complete crazy person, Democrats in the state assembly are calling out this bill as a complete overreach of gubernatorial power. Mm Mm-hmm. Those are Democrats in the state assembly. The same people who are saying that Medicaid spending is what's destroying the state and bankrupting the state. People in his own party are starting to go after Cuomo because they realize he is just a power hungry douchebag. I mean, that's what the D stands for.
1: You guys, Uh, you guys remember Hurricane Katrina, the governor of Louisiana. They went door to door and confiscated everybody's guns. Yeah. People that were staying in their houses, shelter in place, they dragged them out and dragged their guns out of the house and threw mm-hmm. them in the back of a, of a cube truck. A panel Mm -hmm. truck, all right? So that's what Cuomo can do. He can use the state of emergency to do a lot of things. Coronavirus, oh, there's looting at the local Walmart. We're going to have to shut Albany down and let's confiscate everybody's guns. Easy enough to do. He has the National Guard at his disposal. He has the state police at his disposal. So people should be scared about overreach like this from his branch of the government. And if the Democrats are bitching, that's really something to be worried about.
2: And to, to all of my uh, anti-police brethren out there, the uh, BLM and, and all of the other people, those of you who really don't like a police state and who really don't respect a police state, these are the people that's going to implement a police state. You think by by voting for them just because it says Democrat behind their name, that for some reason it's going to all work out for you because they give you the promises of, of Uh, state systems and state programs, state funded programs, free college, all of this Midas touch stuff. That's exactly what it is. It's the Midas touch. Midas uh, finally touched his own son and killed him because he wanted to turn everything into gold. That's what they're doing. They're promising you that they'll turn everything into gold. And you're so focused on looking at the goal that you don't see the impending death that's coming behind it. It may not necessarily be you actually dying, but something's going to die, and there's going to be something that you actually care
1: about. Yep.
0: All right, guys, I think that is a perfect place to stop. Anthony, why don't you tell the folks where they can find you online, on social media, and exactly where they can find more information about your wonderful, wonderful (laughs) 2A haven there in New Jersey.
1: And you're coming on my show April 4th, right? Yes,
0: and I will be in the range in New Jersey.
1: And you're going to shoot <laughs> GunForHire.com, for GunForHire on Instagram, Anthony Calandro on Facebook. I have a fan page. And uh, Twitter is G-U-N number four H-Y-R. But I'm in prison in, in Twitter right now. I, you can't retweet my stuff for hate speech. so. Mm-hmm.
0: Oh my god, I just got off a very heavy shadow ban on Instagram. We lost about twenty followers, and then yesterday was lifted, and we jumped about thirty. It's the social media bias is really insane. They all so go all
1: sitting in a room pulling our puppet strings.
0: It's it's really ridiculous. Which which is why it's important, guys. Like, share, subscribe, follow Anthony on Instagram, follow us on Instagram. Make sure you follow TAC. That's Solomon Tack, two A's and a C. There is no K in Tac. There has never been a K in Tac. I said it every Ever. single every every single episode since episode 100. People, there is no K. Follow us at Get Red Pill. Then Follow oh. us, subscribe, download on all podcast platforms. Empire State Conservatives podcast. If you can, please, please, please check out our store at EmpireStateConservativeNetwork com slash store. A bunch of new stuff on there. It's absolutely amazing. I, I I know I say it because I designed all of it, but. You know, our merch is the best merch. You will make a liberal cry. You will see nice tears stuff. down their face. It is guaranteed. So, guys, for that, I'm Evan. That's Tack. Anthony, once again, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you.
1: Thank you, guys. Keep fighting. We need you.
0: All right. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, and don't let fear take your freedom. <laughs>